Hi, and welcome to Conversation with the Chef. I'm Joe Ritty, and I'm going to take you into the kitchens of some of our most fabulous kitchens so you can get the backstory to the food the chefs are putting up. Today's chat is with Dan Hawkins, executive chef at Prince Dining Room in St Kilda, Muse Restaurant at Mitchelton Winery, and the Nagambi Brewery and Distillery. Dan is a gentle giant, tall and with a really lovely approach to equilibrium and well-being, be that with food, family or the people he works with. It was a pleasure to sit down with him and hear all about it. So Dan, yeah, <laughs> um, lovely to meet you. you Na- another Dan in the Prince family. Oh, there's many of us, but there's only two main ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's nice to hear another New Zealand accent. But yeah. Where, what part are you from? Oh, I'm from Christchurch. Oh, so am I. Are you? Yeah, oh, I'm great. going back there on Thursday are to you? see my mum. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I've only been back once since the quakes, and I thought, yeah, um, yeah, really, quite a changed place. Yeah, I was. Were you there? Were you there? For no, I've them? been. Australia for 15 years. Oh, 15 nearly. years. Yeah, yeah. or Melbourne for 15 yeah. years. Yeah, okay, wow, yeah. No, I left after the, after the earthquakes in 2011. Um, so, you moved here and did your training here? Or did you train in uh, New Zealand? I, I trained in New Zealand. Yeah. And then, well, what was supposed to be the little six month stopover, uh, check it out, first stop away from home. Yeah. Um, 15 years later, yeah. you're still here. <laughs> yeah, wow. Well, I, mean, I mean, even 15 years ago, it would have been. Well, it's always going to be a big jump from Christchurch to Melbourne. Christchurch is training, is it? Yes. Yeah. Um, but the food scene would have really changed even in 15 years here. Oh, dramatically. Yeah. I think um, I, I didn't really know. I just I chose Melbourne because I didn't know anyone here. And the, the Kiwis are dotted across the country. Oh, yeah. And, and I, I just decided Melbourne was, was the, the place where I didn't know anyone and just go and have a little fresh start and, and have a little look. Um, coming out of the hotel scene, so I was working for Crown Plaza and okay. Intercontinental Hotel Group, so a really structured sort of environment into, um, you know, I, I guess kind of cutthroat, hat chasing sort of mm. high intensity kitchens. Yeah, it was quite a quite a shock. Yeah. So where did you come to first? Uh, first got my first job in Melbourne at Stoke House. Oh yeah. Um, okay. Wow. Yeah, That's very good. So it, you obviously already made a name for yourself, or you, you know, you oh, proved your metal before you came. Yeah, I just um, yeah, I just picked up a few places and thought, well, I'll try the Stokehouse, I'll, I'll try Long Grain, I'll try just these sort of places on the radar at the time. Mm. And um, I ended up accepting the job at Long Grain and then, but actually also getting a job at Stokehouse. So I was having a little bit of a tussle. It was a, both bad handle group restaurants back then. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but chose Stokehouse and, and went and really rocked that. Yeah. And... Um and what position did you go in there? Oh, I was like chef to parties. Yeah, oh. we were all we we're all yeah. chef to parties, and then there was the sous chefs and head chefs. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and now you're here, and you've got lots of roles here. I feel like oh, you know, you're executive yeah. chef, but you do you have to do a lot of travelling? I do travel a lot. <laughs> I travel. Um, well, I guess our hospitality base is is spread across Victoria, mm. um, as far north as uh, Nagambi and and around uh, St Kilda Bayside really so I split my time between um, Mitchelton Winery which is in Nagambi and the Nagambi Brewery Distillery and the Prince Hotel yeah okay and you're based in Melbourne I I live in Melbourne I'm I'm based in Melbourne Um, wife and kids they're all here Um, so I'm I'm in Melbourne but I yeah it's a good drive yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> but it'd be, uh, it's, I think it's pretty nice. Having a bit of a taste of, you know, regional Victoria as well and oh, the winery. It's an, yeah, yeah, really, really good actually yeah. um, to have that diversity in mm. the role and, and in, in the job is really good. So, so there are head chefs in place and then you're yes. overseeing them. So what, um, you know, like how are your days made up? What kind of, are you on the pan still or are you? Uh, I, I refer to it as more keyboard than chopping board these days. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm certainly still passionate about food and, mm-hmm. and spending time in the kitchen with the teams and um, still working with the food and working with the guys and, and cooking is still really a core part of the job. Mm. Yeah. So are you coming up with menus um, with them or...? Yeah, absolutely. So um, let's just take Dan Cooper, for example, um, the head chef here at the Prince Hotel. Um, you know, such a solid cook and a real creative mind as well. Mm. Um, and really, he's really quite educated in this space, the style of food that we're, we're trying to achieve here. Mm. So um, generally, and, and, and I think... Dan might have mentioned this last time, but we work a little bit backwards, I guess, than the way that kitchens used to run. It used to be the chef would would come up with a menu idea and, and he'd want to run that dish. So you'd you'd find that produce or you'd, you'd order that lamb or whatever it may be to make that dish. Where we sort of work a lot more closely with the suppliers and the growers and the mm. farmers and say, hey, look, you know, we've got great carrots, um, so we'll come up with a carrot dish or... Uh, lamb's really good right now. It's the best time of year to be eating lamb. Um, how about you guys run some lamb dishes? And then we, so we work a bit backwards in mm. that regard. Um, so working with the head chefs in that style, yeah, they'll sort of um, take the lead with, with a lot of the food creativity and then um, we have a look and taste and tweak and adjust and just make sure it's on our, on our line, on our brand standard and uh, it's yeah. all working really good. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because we did talk about that and about how even, you know, the, the Parisian, some of those new Parisian bistros are changing their their style. I think that's the way to go, though, isn't oh, it? Oh, 100%. That that's... Oh, absolutely. I, when you think about it uh, logically and the way things used to be done and then I guess now the, the modern way of doing things, mm. um, it just makes so much more sense. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, winery menus would have to be different, I guess, to city menus. Is that, do you... Yeah, definitely. Um, we always, we have the, the same core fundamentals. Uh, we like to uh, keep things local where possible, both in the city and, and the country. Or we like to use um, Victorian or at least southern. We sort of look to Victoria first, and then if we, we can't find it Victoria, then sort of the southern states, Tasmania, South Australia, that sort of thing for produce. Mm. Um, and very much the same thing with the winery, but it's just more hyper-local. You know, it, it may be working directly with a farmer that's growing your vegetables up the road, or talking with your butcher who knows the farmer who takes the cows to the abattoir. It's just all really hyper-local and hyper-seasonal. So it's, it's kind of exactly what we do in the city, but it's just um, intensified a lot more. Mm. Yeah, I really like that idea. I like, you know, something about, oh, I don't know, I always like eating seafood when I'm looking at the sea and something oh, <laughs> about eating good produce yeah. when you're out in the countryside. Like, yes, this must be the real thing. <laughs> well, we used to say that you, being here at the Prince, we could take um, seafood that's caught right there in Port Phillip Bay and... Uh, you know, cook it and serve it the next day or or that afternoon, but um, the government sort of put a stop no, to that. That's right. 
pretty difficult to do that, isn't it? I mean, I think about um, Fleur's place in Moiraki in the South Island, how yep. she was one of the only people, I think, in New Zealand to get the licence to just get the fish off the yeah, tea off, by off the wharf, yeah. Yeah. And I just think, what a shame, because it's just like, imagine that, just that freshness and the... Yeah, it, it actually, it, at first I said, I used to, I hate being an on-the-fence kind of person, sitting on the fence with something, but... I'm, um, I'm a massive recreational fisherman. Like, I love my time outdoors. I love... Um, so the ban in the bay, uh, I see the value it brings to tourism and what it does for, for, for that side, but I also see the impact it has on, on the restaurants and kitchens and, and the fish suppliers to be able to supply that product. So I don't like sitting on the fence with things, but on that one, on that occasion, I sort of sat there for a while. And after it's been nearly 18 months now, sort of makes me think why can't there be the best of both worlds mm. maybe manage the quotas a bit better maybe manage the expectations of the fishermen to the just you can have both it just needs to be yeah be better looked at but that's that's a huge other story oh that's right yeah <laughs> and um did you did you always want to be a chef did you do that straight uh, out of school no um i've done many things <laughs> um i've spent some time in the new zealand army um, oh. I straight out of school I, I made cardboard boxes for Carter Holt Harvey um, yeah I've, I've done a, a lot of different odds and ends until I landed in the kitchen I guess um, bit of a classic kind of tale I went to the, the Christchurch Polytech and I, I walked around on an information day and just grabbed all the information be it chippy a tradie a mechanic Just I left with just stacks of, of book work like okay I really got to find a course out of all of this and I, I just walked past one building I hadn't been into and I, I just stuck my head in there and there's a lady at the desk and she said hi this is you block cooking and I said oh nah, nah. <laughs> and as I turned around to walk away she'd actually got up from behind the desk and came to greet me so I felt obligated to have a conversation with her and I actually um, left that conversation signed up on a course that started yesterday um, Pretty much that, that, and then yeah, the rest is here I am. Because that's that the full hospitality, isn't it? She really welcomed you in. <laughs> yeah, it was. You know, I guess I could have easily. Yeah, you know, when she said cooking, I just I've spent all day looking at being a builder, a mechanic, a tradie of some description, a sparky or something. Mm. And um, as soon as she said, I said no, but I guess I've always had an interest in food. Um, I did home economics at school. I. Um, spent a lot of time in the kitchens with my nana you know just small garden cooking and doing things like that but uh, never thought hey I'm going to take this somewhere and do something with it it was just yeah just food so what is it about uh, food and now cooking that appeals to you and it's kept you doing it this, for this length of time already yeah I think um, the, the immediate attraction was um, the kitchen lifestyle the environment um, it's high intensity it's high energy it's it's quite aggressive not in an angry way but it's more you've got to work hard move hard you know like that really kept me you know wanting more of that and then trying to be able to um take the food and do your job under those sorts of extreme pressures in those early days i said 15 years ago hatted restaurants were quite a different place than they are today and and that kind of environment um and the mateship and the you know almost very uh, military-like, so you know, spending time in the New Zealand Army, I was very just drawn to that mm. lifestyle, that environment, and then, then the food sort of came second to that. I, I sort of fell in love with the culture of a kitchen, and then the food 
uh, once I started to understand more about, about actually what I'm doing with food and, and how to create flavour in food and do all these things, then to be able to take the food in that environment and put it all together was kind of like just building this, you know, you kind of like felt just extreme pleasure at the end of your day that you'd survived these huge services and you'd, you'd been able to create food that ultimately was going out and, and being paid for. And it just kind of all, the puzzle pieces just sort of fell into place for me that yeah. it, was, it was something really good. Uh, and that was the sort of the, the early days, the foundation days, and then that sort of hunger to, to learn a bit more and cook a bit more and, and better yourself. And, and definitely in my, my early days, I sort of had that mentality of, you know, work for the best with the best to be the best and, you know, jumping around hatted kitchens and things like that to work with these you know, really um, well-known chefs and, and to get a good base, baseline understanding of other people's cuisines. And then... Um, I guess here we are today, uh, forming my own style of, of, on my experiences and things that I've done. Yeah. So when were you? Um, when did you get to the point where you were head chef somewhere? Uh, so my first head chef job was I, I, I was working at Longrain at the time as a as a sous chef, and I, I left Longrain, uh, and I went and had a conversation with Paul Wilson. And Paul Wilson was opening Newmarket Hotel with what was then called Melbourne Pub Group. Um, which is our group now. It's just we've just dropped all the names and brands. Uh, I worked at the New Market as a sous chef for around twelve months, uh, and through that position, I was offered my first head chef role at the Albert Park Hotel uh, in, in the same group under under Paul Wilson. Okay. So that was my my first real step up to to run a kitchen, and it was a great kitchen for, for me in a, in a younger years of being a head chef in those foundation years um, it was a really creative kitchen, Paul Wilson at the time was doing food that was, uh, he, he called it Asia to Cuba and it sort of blurred these lines between uh, Mexican and Roy Choi style uh, Korean street food and um, really creative and, and having spent time in, in Long Grain and Newmarket with the Latin American and the Asian influence, um, it was food that I sort of related to very well and, and could reproduce or, or do my own style of really well. Mm. Uh, so that was the first introduction. And then and then from there, um, a few other head chef positions within the group, and then it moved into overseeing two kitchens to three to multiple outlets where we are today. That's really, it's pretty incredible, isn't it? I think, um, and good on you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To me, to get to that point too, um, we've got lots of, you know, you're responsible for lots of people as well. And I, I liked talking to um, Dan Cooper about um, some of the initiatives that you have in this group um, um, in terms of mental health, so doing yoga yeah. together and um, being able to use the salt baths and all those kinds of things. And I liked um, he spoke really warmly of his team and getting ideas from them. How would you describe yourself as a leader? Yeah, look, that's actually a really great question and I'm, I'm glad we get to bring some light to the topic because mental health, in, in hospitality has been really under the spotlight in the last, say, two years. Um, and I guess for me, as a leader and, and trying to encourage um, mental health and, and well-being in the kitchens, um, I always say to, say to the team before they go on days off, I say, righto, it's days off, hang out with people that make you smile, eat food that makes you feel happy, 
do something that just makes you feel good. And for Dan Cooper, that's whacking a little white ball around a green grass for four hours. You know, that's golf. I couldn't think of anything worth. For me, it's climbing to the highest hills um, in the pursuit of wild food and chasing deer and hunting. And that, some people, that's not their idea of fun. But I do that, and, and I always encourage our staff, you know, just hang out with people that make you smile and laugh and make you feel good and eat food that makes you feel good and just do something that makes you feel alive. And, yeah. and we really encourage that. And when they come back to work, we want to hear about it. Mm. What did you do? Where'd you go? Who'd you see? What did you eat? You know, these sorts of things. And it, it gets them to, you know, you really, it's not just asking, but it's actually, you actually care. Like, you really want to hear what they did so you can go, wow, that's amazing and good on you. What are you going to do next week? You know, so that they're always looking forward to something outside of work, because time outside of work is is immensely important. You know, with for for it's no, my time is no more important than your time, or no more important than his time. Everyone's time is is equally important. Um, so that's that's one way we sort of encourage you know nice work life balance and, and healthy mental health state. Um, uh, like Dan said, yeah, we as a as a team, as not just a kitchen team, but as a Prince Hotel team. Uh, yeah, we, we do engage in yoga classes and um, go to the, the salt baths down in St Kilda. For a long time there, for about six months, probably yeah, a good six-month period, uh, I had pretty much the entire kitchen team of Ackland Street Cantina at the time. Um, our knock-offs were, we'd knock off and we'd go to the 24-hour gym. And so at midnight, there's six, seven chefs in there, you know, having a having a workout, letting it all out, and and knock off some protein shakes, you mm-hmm. know, like that. That was really encouraged and trying to um, still enjoy, you know, a, a froth at the end of a big day, but just be mindful of, of your limitations. And um, you know, we managed to keep that gym session going for for about six months before just you know the summer period kicked in and we really got we really got rolled. Yeah. But I guess that, that's another thing as well. Um, we're just now about to hit summer trading, so we're having the conversations with the teams. Um, do something now, take some steps now to improve yourself for summer. We all know it's going to be taxing. We all know it's going to be busy. Uh, it's full restaurants, empty maison plus fridges, early starts, late finishes. We know it's coming. Um, whether it's uh, getting a little bit more exercise in your day, uh, changing your diet to include more fruit and vegetables. Just anything you can do health-wise mm. that will improve you uh, physically and mentally, we encourage that as well. Mm. Um, and we lead the way by you know, making sure that our staff meals are healthful, um, that we're, we're looking out for one another, we're noticing if someone's a bit flat, maybe, may even be as simple as having a multivitamin or a Barocca in the afternoon. But just yeah. noticing that with someone and saying, here you go, you know, take a 30-minute, grab a coffee, grab a sit-down, um, you know, catch you back for dinner and, and being okay about saying take a break your section's covered you know, a lot of chefs are like oh I can't take a break because I've got so much work to do and you know but we we may have a lot of work to do we may see stress but if it's you make it acceptable it's okay then we'll get through yeah. together we'll get there it's okay take that break yeah I think it's really important to, to, to say like to have those discussions and to be really I was going to say be really meta about it because Often people kind of know what you need to do to be healthy, and I'm sure you know chefs realise it's going to be busy. But but if you don't have the discussion and and sort of keep reiterating that you're all thinking about that and 
you know, you have their best interest in heart, then it is hard, I think, for people to just come up with that on their own. You just get, and it's so easy when you're working so hard just to fall into that trap of not exercising and not oh, eating, grabbing the wrong stuff, yep. drinking just to, you know, whatever. And it's just, yeah, I think that's really, um, it's really enlightening that that's what you're doing here. I think that's great. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we start that conversation now and it's not just a once-off. You know, we'll say it again in two weeks and we'll say it again in four weeks and we'll just keep reminding people and I, I lead by example. I'll be the first to say, you know, or just send a group message, selfie on the beach at 6am, you know, I'm going for a run, get involved, guys, you know, mm-hmm. just to remind people, hey, get out there. Yeah, get who brought that to the team? Is that something you've brought or is, um, is it already that kind of um, I, feeling here? Or? Yeah, I guess um, collectively it, it's been that, that general feeling, but it, a lot of it's, from my perspective, stemmed from when we were doing knock-off gym sessions. Mm. You know, instead of having sitting around the bar drinking beers and tequila shots, we were actively and consciously making the decision to not do that and to do something else. Yeah. And to see the benefits of that, then I started to think about that a bit more, and then I thought, well, you know, we really need to send this message home more than just um, knock-off knock off gym sessions. And it, it started with... Um, it actually started, for me, I'd say at the Stokehouse, going back 14 years maybe, um, just before summer, they used to run a boot camp session, they'd get a PT in, and it would be for front of house, admin, chefs, uh, the whole building, upstairs, downstairs, everyone was was invited to these um, PT sessions, and they were down on the beach, and they were held around October, and they were it was a, a four-week sort of boot camp to get everyone ready for summer. And it's a good I, idea. Oh, I loved. I just thought, how great is that as an initiative to be able to um, see beyond the now, and that my the people I work for are investing in, in us and not just me and them, but us as a team to, mm. to be able to do some better. And, you know, they were taxing days. You know, that we. You know, that's back in the days of you would do eighty, you know, up to a hundred hour weeks, even more, and you would socialise a lot more but um, off the back of that it's just something that sat with me for the whole 15 years and all the times I've been in the kitchens it's really been a message that we carry along with us mm. yeah yeah I think it's really good I, I went out to visit um, the uh, people that have the Mulberry group so Liminal and um, those ones that have bought the farm cafe out near Geelong and yeah. um, they're trying to get chefs on board with going and spending some time out you know Working on working the land, choosing what vegetables to plant, and then getting the veggie box and having that hot and doing some meditation out there, and sort of spending time out there as well as, um, you know, just not just getting the veggies, but sort of having a hand in growing them. And I think, um, I think it's really good that people are um, stepping up on that because I think that it has yeah. become a really big problem. And I think, you know, as you were saying too, that the whole there's been a big change in kitchens and just the the hierarchy of the kitchen and the 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 shouty chefs and so on like that's yeah. all had to change and there need to be more changes like just to you know it's a full on industry and it's a really big job and it's so much pressure and I think yeah, yeah. well I sort of think as well um, that chefs like like Dan Cooper and myself and, and our other head chefs uh, you know, we're leading the way our apprentices and our junior chefs are the head chefs of tomorrow Mm. they are the future of hospitality in Australia Mm. and if they don't have the right foundations uh, then 
the future of hospitality is just right now quite dire in mm. terms of quality and commitment and and chefs, you know, they're, they're fueled by the MasterChef dream and the television shows and these sorts of things. But the ones that we see potential in and the, the junior chefs that come through our kitchens, there's no doubt they are the future of hospitality in Australia. Mm. So if we're not taking the right steps to coach and guide them and train them in ways that will benefit the industry mm. as a whole, it's going to continue to stay uh, really troubled. I think I said this to Dan as well because it suddenly struck me that um, we talk about sustainability all the time, but it is a, a sustainability of people as well. It is, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, um, it's great. Yeah. And uh, so what? now what do you cook at home? Now, I love the idea of you climbing up hills and oh, <laughs> yeah. finding deer and yeah. um, herbs and things. <laughs> it reminded me, there was a big thing, and I don't know if they do it, they did it a couple of years in a row um, just out of Christchurch in... Um, like in those, what that winery, what is that winery really? Like the Retta Valley and around there. Um, oh, it's on top of my tongue. Um, anyway, uh, and they would get, get food writers and chefs and everyone together and they're all in teams and they had to go off and like oh, they spent awesome. a day kind of yeah. hunting and gathering. Yeah. And, um, and some people were sent to the river because it was it's near, like some of them went to the sea because they yeah. where they are. Some went to the um, Waipara Valley. Yeah. Um, some went to the Braided River. Some went up into the hills. And so they came back with like wild boar and um, fish yeah. and um, eels and all kinds of things. And then they cooked together oh, and they all sat down and just um, and shared the food. And I was thinking, do we do anything like that here? I think that is the best initiative I've ever heard of. I really love that idea as well. But I was just imagining you, you know, yeah. <laughs> hunting and gathering <laughs> Well, I, look, I, I'll have to admit I'm a, I'm a terrible home cook and, and I think a lot of chefs will admit that I don't, I don't think I'm alone there. Um, yeah, I'm a father of two and my wife is exceptional. Yeah, she'll have dinner from start to finish on the, on the table in 20 minutes. Yeah. I take twice as long. Yeah. I use twice as many pans. I, I use, make twice as many dishes. I, I put my tongs on my oven door. I just, just things that... I'm really bad. Yeah, yeah. So um, <laughs> if I if I feel like treating my wife, I might cook something, one of something that she really likes. Um, she's another Kiwi girl as well. So um, she's really rural. She was brought up on eating wild pig and venison and this sort of thing. And now that she's old enough, she doesn't have to eat it. She won't eat it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. But um, I enjoy, uh, I really enjoy um, cooking wild meat um, mm. and it, it, a lot of it's got to do with the story behind it if you think that it's it's one set of hands uh, my hands that have hunted, harvested butchered, processed cooked and eaten that that meal, that, that steak that animal uh, it's, you can't you can't. There's, there's just nothing that compares to it. Mm. It's, it's the same as catching a fish. Mm. It, there's, there's absolutely no comparison. Um, my kids really enjoy wild meat. You know, I make salami, you know, venison salami sandwiches for my son's school lunch. He just gets off on it. He says, "Yeah, yeah like more, more, more." And <laughs> yeah, um, it's That's really, awesome. it's really great to be able to introduce that to the family as yeah. well. Yeah. Where do you go to? Yeah, there's a lot of um, a lot of a lot of places in Victoria. Yeah, pretty much any any state forest um, east of the Hume, all the way out to the New South Wales coast, mm. um, you're going to find deer. Yeah, yeah, they're everywhere. Yeah, I think that's um, my my uncle lives in Queenstown, and they quite often go, you know, 
deer or tar. tar oh, tar. Hunter. Oh, yeah. amazing. Yeah. Like yeah. a man. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. And I, mean, I remember someone saying to me they were basically vegetarian unless they hunted the meat themselves. And yeah. That's what you're saying. It's the, you know, you've done it and you've not... Yeah. yeah, and you uh, know where it came from, whereas you know, 100%. a lot of the time, what we see in the supermarket or, or butcher, it doesn't you know it no longer resembles the end of what came from. So we're very disconnected from that. Um, oh, completely disconnected, and like it's not. That's just society. I don't. I don't say to someone, "Oh, you're so disconnected from the real world." No, or, we, well, we can't help it, can we? Yeah, yeah, we live it, in the city, and yeah, you know, we, can't, yeah. we can't like we don't all have you know. Access. Access to yeah. go, go hunting. Um, yeah. It might be a different world if we all did, but um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we well, definitely. Thanks, Dan. Thank you for your story. I've really enjoyed talking to you. Oh, and I have a photo of you already. So oh, I great. I don't have to Amazing. put you through that. I don't, I don't even know where that one came from, but. You've been listening to Conversation with a Chef. I'm Jo Ritty, and thank you so much for joining me today. If you'd like to read the full transcript of the conversation, you can go to www.conversationwithachef.com or follow me on Instagram so you'll always be up to date with the latest conversation.